And so when I say like, don't design for algorithms, I mean, don't like, don't hyper-focus yourself on the amount of likes you're getting, the amount of comments you're getting, the even the growth. I think you've got to be true to yourself and not design for what Instagram thinks is cool, not design for any of that, but design for the audience you're cultivating that already likes the work you make. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. There's a really great quote from an author that I really like. Uh, His name's James Clear, and he's written the book Atomic Habits. And there's a quote that is in there, and it goes on to say, you do not rise to the level of your goals you fall to the level of your systems. And I've been thinking a lot about this in preparation for this call because I think that quote relates a lot to some of the work that my guest today is going to be talking about. And it's all about creativity. And sometimes creativity gets wrapped up in the idea of it needs to be inspiration-based and it can only happen when you're feeling it or other people are just naturally gifted and they can always make art and it always works out for them. But from my experience, and I think what you'll hear from my guest today, is that's just completely not true. The creative endeavors take just as much consistency and calculation as the most analytical projects out there. My guest today has created a creative system that allows him to focus his skills rather than get distracted all over the place. He's a freelance graphic designer and the host of the Creatively Brief podcast. Joining me today is Michael Tumlin. (laughs) Thanks a lot for joining me, Michael. Hey, how are you doing, man? I appreciate you having me on the show today. So, what I, what I was talking about in that intro, for those who uh, are unfamiliar with Michael's work, is he's got most of his, his work is on Instagram, which is the right platform for visual designers. Like that's, that's, the, that's the crux of Instagram is it's all about the imagery. And so what Michael's done is really something that I, it struck me when I first saw his feed because it was just really nice images with really interesting kind of graphic illustrations on top of it. Some of it's some of it's abstract, some of it's more geometric, but then it's, it's always transposed on top of like a, a photograph. And so I was like, wow, this guy's amazing. Like he can do the illustration, he can do the photograph. But then when I go to look at the caption, he's, he's crediting the photograph to artists on uh, a website called Unsplash, where it's just free imagery that you can use as long as you kind of credit, uh, give credit where it's due. And so that's what really struck me with Michael is he was able to consistently put out work and build a portfolio and build a following on Instagram because he let someone else do the photography and he focused all his time on the actual illustration. So Michael, why don't you tell me a little bit about what what you started with and if that was always your intent or if that just kind of came naturally to you? Yeah. So I feel like we should back up farther than the Instagram that you know now. So I actually, as part of my senior project back in high school, at my school, I guess not all of them do this, but I had basically like a capstone project where I had to like take an idea of something that would be related to what I want to go to college for and like make a whole project out of it. And you spend like your whole senior year doing that and it's like 30% of your grade. Uh, So it's like a big deal, right? And so I got there and I was looking at it. And at this point, I knew that I wanted to do graphic design. I had known for a little while. I'd already kind of been familiar with Photoshop. 
And so I was, I was looking at it. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to start my own company. And at the time, like I didn't have a concept of freelance work. So like I still have it, but I'm doing more of my freelance as my own brand. However, that was called Trikin Media. And so I kind of like branded that and started an Instagram with that. And I think that's where I really kind of started to like explore these different design techniques. And that's where I started to get into Instagram as more than just like, you know, I'm here to share pictures of my life, but like I'm here to make this a business. Um, And at the time I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was doing with it yet. And I got to the point where I was looking at some of the artists that I liked like on Instagram, I was looking at their work and I was like, this isn't what I'm putting out. Right. And what I'm putting out is basically like fake projects, which there's not anything wrong with that, but it was, it was projects that were like branding projects and stuff. And at the time I just didn't know a lot about it. So it was almost like it was, it was something that I wasn't comfortable with that I didn't necessarily like, I didn't enjoy that work as much when I was viewing it. So I said to myself, okay, well, let me take a step back. Let me look at what do I enjoy to look at and what do I enjoy, you know, in other artists work. And let me go make that. And I feel like every time this comes up, I have to give credit to the guy that was like the biggest inspiration, but Jeffrey Thielen, he's at Taylene, that's T-E-Y-L-E-E-N on Instagram. If you guys check out my work or anything, definitely check his out. That man is an animal with trying to get stuff out. He posts every single day for like 1400 days now, and he's going for like 10 years. But that was kind of the big thing, right? So I was was actually on a road trip up to Washington, D.C., And I was looking at this guy's work and I was like, I feel like I could do that. Like, I feel like that's something that I like, I like looking at it. I feel like it'd be fun to kind of figure out how can I get from this place I'm at now and learn how to do those kind of designs. And then I I looked and I was looking for like, you know, photography resources, kind of like you said, and I found Unsplash. And, And that was actually, I think I was told about it while I was working at my church and doing some work with them. And the guy, the guy like told me, he goes, Hey, like, have you heard of Unsplash? I'm like, no, what's that? And he told me, and it like blew my mind. I was like, that is crazy that this resource is out there. So I said to myself, I said, if that's there, right, and I can do the designs, then it only makes sense I would like put them together. And so that road trip, I think I made like my first four or five designs like in the car on my laptop. And it was like, like you said, kind of taking out the fact that I had to do the photography just made it a little bit easier for me to focus on what I'm good at, you know, doing like the design work. And I'm also very interested, I'm very interested in videography for one. That's like my primary thing. Also photography, uh, but not, not to the level of the people on Unsplash. So I kind of leave it to them and then I let myself, you know, I, I, I take what they have and I try to kind of mesh the two together. And the main goal of it is, is one, I want to explore geometry, see how far I can take these shapes. So like some of my designs are just a couple lines, right? But I want to see like, well, if it's just a couple lines, how many different ways can I use a couple lines to make something interesting? And so that's like one big challenge. And then two is trying to kind of take the designs that I make and then like mesh them with the, or with the photograph so that they feel like they're one cohesive piece. Cause I don't ever want it to feel like it's like a design just put on an image. My goal with it is that I want it to feel like like it was made to be together. You know what I mean? So kind of that cohesive feeling with the whole piece uh, all put together. But yeah, that's kind of like how I got into it. And I guess the the motivations behind it. Yeah. And by having, there's, there's two parts, there's two parts of that. I want to dig into a little bit more. One is the, the constraints, but first I want to mm-hmm. talk about the, the, the inspiration that that picture offers you because mm-hmm there's something super intimidating about opening up a blank illustrator project and staring at a white screen. Same thing if you're writing or same thing if you're putting together an email campaign. Like if you're just starting with absolutely zero, it's 
it's so hard to get that momentum. But if you've got this other tab that's open with uh-huh. a, a photograph that you can at least base it off of, you've got your swipe file of a whole bunch of emails that you've really enjoyed receiving. You've got a whole bunch of like audio clips of, of artists that you're really enjoying. It doesn't matter whether it's, it's for work or for its personal projects, having that inspiration there can just like instantly get you going. And you're like, Oh, I just, I I'm applying the shape. And how does it align with the curvature of that road or the, the angles right. of that mountain? Like you have something to start with. Well, and you know, the interesting thing about that too, is that I actually, I kind of work backwards from that. So I actually start in illustrator without any idea of what my image is going to be. And then I go back and I pull the image after the fact. So then I look for what images would fit with the design. So I'm actually starting, I think if I'm understanding right, I'm kind of starting backwards. I'm starting with an illustrator file. Okay. Um, but like you said, like the blank illustrator thing, that's, yeah, that's a big, like, sometimes I sit down and I don't know what I'm going to make. Uh, and a lot of times what I do to kind of like, like fight against that or push back against that is I'll go back through a lot of times I start with my own design work. So I'll go back. I have, I think I'm on like illustrator file nine now and I'll go back and I'll just like start looking through all of them and pulling what I think is interesting and pull it into the working file and then see like, well, if I did this with that, then what can I do differently to like make it new, but kind of the same like effect, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's not, and that's another thing is there's nothing wrong with repurposing work that you've done before because you have a totally different mindset. You can, you can change things that you, wish you'd done the first time but right. the point is you you shipped the first time and you haven't been sitting on those files for months waiting for it to be perfect you actually put it out and got feedback from your followers right. or yourself and you how did you feel by putting that out there and then you can go back and and refresh it over time right right 100 percent and then that second part is like the constraints, like you were talking about the geometric shapes like that offers mm. a, a constraint that when you sit down it's not like am I using curves or am I even using straight lines? Am I using thick or am I using thin? Am I using black and white or am I using color? You just sit down. Is that how you think about it? Like, do you sit down and say, I'm doing this black and white curved line today? A lot of times what it starts with is a shape. So like I'll, I'll sit down and kind of maybe a lot of times what I do actually is I'll look at it and and I'll like draw a square and be like, no, that doesn't feel right. And so I'll draw a circle and I'll be like, yeah, let's start with this. And then I kind of just start thinking back through some of the different styles I've done before and I'll kind of see like, maybe this would be cool. And then, and I actually, you know, one of the things I did that you and I talked about outside of uh, the podcast was that I just did a live stream last week and that was a really fun experience, but like it, it let me kind of talk through some of that stuff. And, and one thing that I kind of realized I was saying a lot is that so much of the stuff I do is like, it's playing with different things. So I have like certain effects that I kind of get into and ways to make designs, but then it's unpredictable. So I, are you familiar with Illustrator? Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. So in a very basic way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you know about the blend tool? I, I've, I've heard of it. I've been too scared to use it. Okay. So that's what I use like for most of my design work. Okay. And so what I do is I'll find cool ways. Like a big thing for me that I'm thinking about is I have some designs that have a lot of circles or like dots and it's almost like uh, pointillism kind of a thing. And what I do with that is I take the blend tool, right? And then I take a shape that has a stroke on it that is actually a pattern stroke of circles And I blend that together and it makes all those circles repeat all the way down. And so when I'm doing something like that, like I like to look at it and and see the different ways I can do it. So like if I expand from like a big circle to a small one, that has a certain effect. But what if I delete the right side of the circle and then, you know, pull that way out to the left side, then what does it do with all the dots? And the blend tool is so like, 
like, I feel like sometimes it's really unpredictable and that makes it really fun for me because it lets me kind of like play with different angles of lines and different stroke weights and things like that. And, and sometimes like it just does things and I'm like, I, I don't know why you did that, but I'm glad you did. That looks awesome. <laughs> so a lot of it is just kind of like that plane and seeing what it is that I can do with the different tools in Illustrator. Yeah, it's those Adobe fairies throwing you oh, a yeah. bow and being like, oh, let's, give, <laughs> let's, let's get Michael out of here. <laughs> but there's also something that really caught my eye in just to go back to you posting on Instagram and tagging mm-hmm. the photographer because a lot of these images on Unsplashed and there's tons of, of stock image websites, but this one's really cool because the the photographs are just like crazy high quality mm-hmm. and every uh, photographer that attributes their work on there does so in an easy, super easy way to like give them credit. Like they just mm-hmm. throw up their Instagram handle because most of them that are making their living through promoting their work in that way. And so I don't know if you did this on purpose or not, but by using their photographs and tagging them in your post, you also, you, you bring it to their attention that someone's used their work. Right. Did, did you find that they would share your, your post because their picture was in it? Not as often as I expected, I'll be honest Mm. with you. But it also wasn't, I don't think, like I didn't start doing it because I wanted that recognition from them. I thought like that would be cool. But like the main motivation for it was more of like, I don't want to be using these people's images without giving them credit. I know I don't have to, but like they're artists just like I'm artists. And like if somebody, you know, posted one of my pieces, I would want the credit for it just simply for the fact that like if people like it, they should know where to find me. But yeah, definitely they haven't, they haven't shared it as much as I thought they would, but you know, sometimes I'll get comments that say like, Hey, really cool to see my picture being used in something, things like that. And like that stuff, like that's really cool whenever you get someone, especially if they've got a big following just to be able to see, like, it's kind of that community and and building that relationship with them, even if it's just one comment, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's no matter how big your audience is, it's nice to get people direct, like talking to you directly. Yeah. hundred percent. I'd like to, I'd like to start to to pivot the conversation a little bit towards that all right because okay. you've you've built a bit of a, a bit of a following and how do you think about publishing now is it is it still something that you uh do for yourself or is it promoting your business or what like what's your kind of structure that you've applied to this yeah so it definitely is still it's about me and it's my work and the way i kind of went into this <clears throat> the way I, I, I shouldn't say went in, but go in now is, you know, I, I've gotten more busy. So I'm still, I'm like, I'm still in college right now. Right. So I've got college classes. I've got freelance work. I've got this podcast that I'm doing now. And then I've got my design work and like the podcast I post eight times a week. So I've got all this content being put out and I'm always busy and, and there's not a lot of opportunities for me to create designs without anyone else's opinion or constraint. So like, even if I get feedback from my audience, that's after I've already posted it and I'm not going to take it down. So kind of, this is sort of like a way for me in my head to kind of like work without those constraints, work without a client telling me what they want and just create what I want to create. And then to that end, now it's become sort of an exercise for my creativity that, you know, it's something that kind of keeps me, you know, no matter what I have going on, I try my hardest to always hit two new designs every single week. And just kind of like, that's my rhythm. That's what I know works for me with my schedule. And so it kind of keeps me disciplined. And like every single week, I'm going to keep creating something. And so it's really more of, definitely more of a personal thing for me. It's not for other people. I like the fact that they're there. And I like the fact that they like my work. But at the end of the day, like I'm not, I'm not like designing it for anyone specific other than myself. You've got a really interesting quote that you've been uh, 
you've been pushing around uh, here and there, and it's that creativity is not for algorithms, it's for people. Do you mm-hmm. mind digging into that a little bit, what you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. So again, I was talking to you, and, and this is something that I think is a little bit more of a recent realization in my head. Are you familiar with Gary Vee? Yeah. So he talks a lot about self-awareness, right? And, and like, I don't, I admire him for his business sense and his marketing ideas. He has so many great ideas. Um, some of the stuff I don't subscribe to, you know, going to garage sales all the time. I don't know about that. I'll keep doing my design work and he can do that. But he talks about self-awareness a lot, right? And I've kind of gotten to a point now where I'm starting to become self-aware of myself and how I work as a designer. When I talk about how creativity is all about, like it's for people and not algorithms, it's, it's like Gary Vee says about the self-awareness and sort of like knowing that like, like Instagram could change their algorithm at any time, right? And if, I'm, if I've got a big following there and my whole thing is about designing for the algorithm, then my style is going to change every, I don't know, three, six months, however often they put out the changes in the algorithm, right? And I don't want that. I want to be like true and genuine to who I am as a designer, as a person, and let the other people follow. And so when I say like, don't design for algorithms, I mean, don't like, don't hyper-focus yourself on the amount of likes you're getting, the amount of comments you're getting, the even the growth. I had a good conversation on my podcast not that long ago talking about growth versus engagement. And it's so much more important to have like people talk about, you know, if you had a hundred fans of your work in one room, like that would be a big deal, right? And the problem is the algorithm is only like, if you have a hundred people, it's showing it to like 10, right? So like that's obnoxious. And that's why I think that people can get easily caught up in it, but you got to be true to whatever it is you're making. So whether it's art or whether it's like Gary Vee, he's got like, you know, the content around his brand, no matter what it is, I think you've got to be true to yourself and not design for what Instagram thinks is cool, not design for any of that, but design for the audience you're cultivating that already likes the work you make. Do you think there's something to be said there about transitioning your, the people who enjoy your work off of a platform to more of an owned medium, like having their email or having them on your website or, or like, what do you, how do you think about that? Yeah, so that's actually something that I've been kind of thinking about more recently is diversifying where I'm at. I, I, I think about it a lot with like different social media platforms, but to speak specifically to like having somewhere like like my mailing list, for instance. I mean, I'm all about it because I think the more you can take algorithms out of that, the better. I think the tricky part is like when you think about mailing lists, right? I know for me, at least a lot of times I don't even read my mailing list things. Like I don't sign up for many, but the ones I do, a lot of times I just hit mark as read and I move on. So I think while there's not an algorithm, there's a tendency to not look at it because you don't get the content right away. But I think the more you can kind of pivot people that way, the better. I think that it's important to understand though, that that takes a different type of content. Mm -hmm. So like what I'm posting on Instagram, I don't think if I just sent out a mailing list with three designs every week, I don't like, I don't think I would gain a lot of traction, you know? So I think it's also being aware of the medium you're working in and understanding that for different social media platforms for mailing lists, you know, all of those things are going to take a different content strategy. But I think the bigger thing is if like for me, if I wanted to take my design work to that sort of realm, uh, which is something I'm, I'm trying to work on now, it's figuring out how I can use the pros and cons of each platform to kind of build one cohesive brand that doesn't exist anywhere specific, but just kind of ties back to me. And there's all these different ways you can get plugged in to who I am and what it is that I'm doing. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. I had a similar kind of good conversation about different platforms are 
have different strengths and right. no doubt you want to get that distribution and, and take advantage of the opportunity to let Instagram send it around to everyone. Right. But you can also apply different, different personalities to each one. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's actually being your true self. Like you have tons of interests, but you focus and apply constraints to each to each project you're on so that you don't get too like in the weeds. So, right. I'll use an example. One of the one artist that I really enjoy is Austin Cleon and his Instagram is just like purely photos of his like collages and he's mm-hmm. just like a, a pure like kind of hands-on artist. <clears throat> but then his newsletter is him just like highlighting books. It's like here's what I read this week and it's like really rough underlines of like his inspiration and like right. snapshots of like but it's 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 less visual and it's more written because it because email is is always going to be more of a written heavy format than just right. images because images get blocked or whatever. So he's like, he has multiple interests and he's built followings on both of them with a completely different content, content but the same context of this is like, it's almost like here's my input and then here's mm-hmm. my output is Instagram right. and my input is my email stuff. Um, right. So that was just an interesting one. And then the same thing with with like say say YouTube like this interview is being recorded video and it's eventually going to make its way to YouTube, but YouTube is not a content platform; it's a search engine, and right. so this is not going to get found by a whole lot of people unless they come to this account through a how to video because at the end of the day that's how you get people on your channel and then it's like oh and then they've got vlog stuff and right. then you can actually start building. Uh, you show your personality in different ways. That was just kind right. of like a, an aha moment for me that someone told me is like, it's, you have to, you have to understand what each platform is for. Right. And then you're not necessarily building for the algorithm you're building for yourself, but like, how does it tie into your personal brand? Right. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like just the more that you can highlight the different aspects. Cause like for a while, you know, I would try to put out the same exact content on multiple platforms. And then I, you know, I thought to like, who cares to see the same thing on five different things? Like they should all be different. And so, you know, just like you said, I'm, I'm working on that now is kind of figuring out that overarching strategy of, you know, how do I take what I'm doing and, and kind of like apply it to all these different platforms? Yeah. What are some common mistakes that you see artists making when it comes to promoting their work? Because if you, if you make it, they will not come. You have to right. at some point tell the world that you've done something. Honestly, in my experience, I think the biggest thing is that I see a lot of people, I shouldn't say that, I I feel like it's a 50-50, but the first thing that popped in my head was that I see a lot of people that don't do a lot of social media marketing. So they're not doing, you know, they may not research like the right kind of hashtags to use and things like that. And so it's just little things like that, that I think it's a lot of little things that are missed that I think would be beneficial just in building that initial audience. Cause it's, I'm a big proponent of, you kind of have these like check marks along the way on your social media accounts, right? So like a thousand followers is a big one. Then like 5,000 is a big one. 10,000 is a big one. And I think each time you kind of get to those points, it's almost like adding a badge of credibility to your account, right? And it makes people more, more likely to follow you. And I think what happens is people get discouraged with social media early on and they, they don't, you know, use the right hashtags. They don't look up strategies to grow on social media. So they kind of just, like you said, they just kind of put their stuff out there and hope for the best. And then nobody shows up. And so then they don't, like, I guess they don't find a reason to spend time on it because nobody came when they first posted. So I think for me, the biggest mistake is like 
a misunderstanding of how social media works for one and a misunderstanding of how much work it actually takes to grow a following on there. Cause I think, you know, and like influencers, for instance, like you were talking about the different platforms, like people, you know, look at these influencers, well, what are they doing? They're just on the beach all day. But like, that's a hefty job to be putting out content for all these different things. You know, like you have TikTok, YouTube, mailing, all that stuff. That's a lot of stuff that goes into that. So I think the biggest thing is just like a misunderstanding of the, the time commitment and kind of the strategy that it takes to really make it work. I mean, the fact that you've got a personal portfolio that you're building, you've now started a podcast, mm-hmm. you're still in school and you're doing <laughs> freelance. How do you balance all those things? That's a huge amount of work. I'm glad you bring this up because I have an app and I've said this on all my podcasts. I love this app. And if you know me at all, you know that I love this app. So Todoist is a great app and it's basically just a to-do list app, but it's got these categories in it, right? So like I have them set up for like each of my classes in school. Then I have one for work, which would be like freelance in my Instagram that you found me on, then my podcast. And it's all like separated out. And what I, what I do is I log all of my tasks for like the week or however far out I'm looking and they all come with a due date, a priority level, and then they're organized into each like section of whatever it's for. But then there's, there's an option on there that you can look into the future, right? So you have all of your tasks from all the different projects all in one place. And like that honestly has been invaluable. And so like the best part about it is that it takes all of your things, right? And you it puts it into a future view where I can scroll down and see all of my tasks for all of my different things in one place. So I know like if I wake up, I can say, you know, today, this is all of the tasks that I have to get done. And I just know right off, like, those are what I need to get done. If I have time to work ahead, I can work ahead. But the big thing for me is outlining, you know, roughly how much time I think it's going to take for me to, you know, complete each task, which I'm still learning. I'm usually pretty bad on that. I'm always off by like five hours. But I try my best. And then really, honestly, just having that list there to remind me of things. And like, as soon as something pops into my head, I try to be good about making a note of it, adding it to my to-do list, something like that before I forget so that nothing falls through the cracks. And just sort of having that, uh, honestly, has been like, it's it's the biggest thing that's kind of kept me on track with being productive. Yeah, big time. And that that time prediction one is, I think, just comes with experience, honestly. I, or Or just add two times to everything. It's going to cost twice Sometimes, as much and it's going to take twice as long. Sometimes I do that and I'm still off and I'm like, I don't know. I, it just shouldn't take that long. <laughs> yeah. I like, I really like the idea of having just like, I know what I'm doing today. You don't yeah. have to be to, to make any type of, of cognitive choices to like, what, what do I need to get accomplished? Just have it. Right. Out. Right. I'm a big fan of uh, Matt Diavella. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. But uh, he does a lot of videos on like productivity and all that stuff. And uh, he had one not that long ago that was about like blocking out time in your calendar to say this is like time set aside for this or that. And I tried that and it was okay. It was hard for me. Like there's things that come up in life that just can't be put on a calendar. So I I followed it loosely, but it definitely helped just to kind of have that rhythm of like, you know, I know I need an hour and a half to get up every morning before the coffee kicks in. So like having that set aside to know like, you know, you're not going to get anything done, then don't plan on it. It helps me just kind of keep things on track a little better too. Right on. Kind of just to to wrap things up here a little bit, I want to ask you about why you chose to start the podcast on top of everything else. What 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 was your reason behind creating Creatively Brief? Yeah, so I we okay, so we talked about like my Instagram, right? And sort of the idea of getting out on different platforms. 
And like one, I just had always wanted to start a podcast. So I, I mentioned that I started in video work. So I did, I did video production in high school. That was my introduction to Adobe. And I've always been into video work, photography. I'm into that. I'm into like animation and after effects. And then like, obviously, you know, design, social media, like the business side of things. I just have always kind of been like, I don't want to ever get locked into something where I'm just doing one thing. And so like that kind of mindset came to this where like, I listen to a lot of podcasts and they're typically like true crime stuff. I really, really like true crime, but those kind of things. And I said to myself, I was like, I mean, I have everything that I need to do to make it right. I've got the microphone already, the sound card. I got everything. There's nothing stopping me from doing it. And I'm in, I'm actually in Orlando, Florida, and I don't know how familiar you are with like the design community down here, but like, they're just all, they're such good people and they're so supportive of one another, like regardless, it doesn't matter if you've known them forever or just a little bit, you know? So I thought to myself, you know, having that community behind me, being in a position where I'm still in school and like, like I'm not having to go out and work 40 hours a week to like pay rent, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff, like I'm in a position where I have a little bit more free time and I need to capitalize on on it now. And so that was like one big factor. And then also like, I just kind of wanted to take my Instagram to a point where I could kind of connect with my audience beyond just giving them like, you know, here's a design for the week. So I wanted to, like, I had tried doing sort of like a blogging thing on, in my Instagram captions where I would like kind of write out a little bit about the process and the inspiration behind the, the design that I posted. And it just never really seemed to get the traction that like I expected it to. It didn't seem like people were overly interested. And I was like, I don't think this is the right medium to be doing this. So I wanted to kind of start this as not only an exploration into design, but I'm also trying to make it about advertising and sort of the, the connection between the two. So bring a little bit more of that marketing sense in as well as the design. And then also a way to kind of give a little bit more of my voice to the audience. Because I don't know, like, like, I feel like texting, you, you can't, you know, get a whole lot of personality and it's essentially the same on Instagram. So like, this is a good way for me to say like, Hey, if you want to like know more about me, come over here and hang out for a little bit. So those were kind of the two biggies. And then also like, because I'm in school, like, I mean, I'm learning, you know what I mean? Like there's so many conversations I'm having with people that I don't think I would ever be in a position to have if it wasn't for the podcast. I've made connections with people that are like way farther on in their you know, careers. And like, I'm not, I'm introverted. I'm not one to like, just go up and talk to people. So like having this, it's almost like an excuse to go talk to them. Like, Hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And meanwhile, I'm like, you know, your design work is really cool. And I'd love to talk to you. So it's like, it's, it's opened a lot of opportunities for me personally. And I'm hoping that by doing that, I'm kind of giving a lot of value to my audience that, you know, they can learn from these other designers and their experience in the field and just, you know, Get, get to know more about design than they do right now. Yeah. And one thing you do really well, because you, you also have an Instagram feed for your podcast, mm-hmm. is you are able to promote your, your guests' work. Like it's, it's right. a great case study of partner marketing where you, mm-hmm. they see the value in coming on your show, not only because they, they like to connect with other, with other designers, but you also have, are building a following there. So then you right. can share their work as well, right? It's, right? So it's win-win on both sides. You're creating content, you're meeting people, you're getting to actually uh, understand what, what the industry is looking like before you're even in the industry. So right. got a lot of, you got a lot of good growth strategies going on. I don't know, I don't know if you did it all on purpose, if you're, if you're that good or you're just uh, ambitious and want to make things. <laughs> 
I, I would guess it's probably like 50 50. Uh, some of it is planned and some of the other stuff I look at, I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. That's I'm glad that happened. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that your, your work came across my Instagram feed and then we took the next step rather than just double tap and pass right. on because right. <laughs> these conversations uh, yeah. are great. I appreciate, right? Yeah. I appreciate you having me on and uh, you know, for anybody that's interested, come hang out on uh, my Instagram, drop a comment, tell me you came from uh, your podcast and I'd love to connect with any of them, anybody that's interested. Right on. That's that's Michael Tumlin Designs. Yes. Michael T-U-M-L-I-N Designs. I really Absolutely. appreciate you taking the time. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, then you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to topofmind.substack.com and put in your email, you can get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content inspired by this show. So there's going to be candid audio recordings that aren't going to be available anywhere else, not on Spotify, not on Apple, nowhere else except on topofmind.substack.com. But that's not it. It's also a platform where I can share written content, videos, links, and anything else that I come across directly with you. You're going to get access to it right away. You're going to get access to the whole library of archived posts. And you're also going to be the first to be notified when a new episode of Top of Mind comes out. So head on over to topofmind.substack.com. See you there. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.